Hey, welcome in, everybody. Welcome in. That's right. Total Coverage is here. That's right. The Total Coverage podcast, the week two edition, as we get ready to talk about some of the big games in the NFL throughout week number two. I'm so excited to be with you as always. I am Kirk Morrison, the former eight-year NFL veteran in the National Football League with the Raiders, Jaguars, and the Buffalo Bills. Man, we are breaking down some of the big games as well. Well, I'll start right off, man. My guest for today, I'm taking y'all to church. That's right. Barry Church, former safety for the Dallas Cowboys. He's going to join me in just a couple of minutes. He's going to talk about this Dallas Cowboys team so far in 2021. They had a big win over the Chargers in week number two. So we'll get Barry Church's thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys. Got some surprising teams in the NFL, right? Look, there's seven teams that are 0-2, and there are seven teams who are 2-0. We'll talk about a couple of them and a couple of performances of those teams. And I'll give you the ones who I think should not be too worried that they're sitting at 0-2. So we got a lot to uh, of that to get to. Um, I'm trying to find more, I guess, adjectives to describe Tom Brady. I'll try to do that. But obviously another great performance for him that we'll talk about. And then something that happens every single year, and yet I still can never figure it out meaning why don't I ever think of it until after it's already done? I'll give you a hint. Bill Belichick. That's all I'm going to drop. I'm going to tell you about that a little bit later in the pod. So more to get to here on the Total Coverage Podcast. But before we go, just remember, listen to this. You can tweet at me, at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. That is my handles. It's interactive, meaning that you can text me, you can tweet me, uh, Insta, IG, whatever you need, man. Just let me know. We're talking about it all here on the Total Coverage Podcast. And remember to find this podcast. Go to Apple. Go to Stitcher. Wherever you get your podcast, go to the tab. Type in Total Coverage. That's right, Total Coverage. And you'll find me. And that's where you can get some of the great football knowledge that I possess. And hopefully I'm going to let you learn a thing or two when you hop on the Total Coverage Podcast. Man, we welcome in a guy who spent nine seasons in the NFL, most of them with the uh, them boys, right? The them boys. <laughs> he finished with the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. But uh, it is my pleasure to take everybody to church today. That's yes, right. Indeed. Very church, former safety with the Dallas Cowboys, Jacksonville Jaguars, joining the Total Coverage podcast. First of all, man, Barry, what's up, brother? How you been? What's going on? It's been great, man. It's been great. Uh, retired a few years back from Jacksonville and I uh, started getting my thing in the media. So I got my own podcast, the Players Lounge. That's every yeah, day. And then okay. um, I also do the pre and post game shows for the Cowboys. And then I got two other television shows with them. So keeping a little bit busy out here, but hey, busy hands are happy hands. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about this Players Lounge, man. Give me a little bit of the Players Lounge. Also, Players Lounge, man, it's our, it's our daily podcast down at the Star. Um, it's me, my former teammate, Danny McRae, who's also on this season of Survivor, which okay. they use uh, all Wednesday, so he's doing that. And then um, we also, our host, Nui Scruggs, who's the uh, NBC reporter down here. So we basically yeah. just chop it up, man. Like, we're in the locker room. We go in there for an hour, just talk Cowboys football, football in general, sports, life, all that good stuff, man. So it's, it's definitely a podcast to tune into. It's, it's a good one every day, usually uh, 1230 Central Time to okay. 130. Good time, man. Good time to right. check it out. Okay. And uh, I think we, you can find it on uh, DallasCowboys.com, right? Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Well, as if we don't get enough of the Dallas Cowboys, right? They was on hard <laughs> knocks. Now, Barry's over here. Got me talking about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> 
I mean, let's be honest, though. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, man, one and one. They improved to one and one after mm-hmm. dropping that opening game of the season. They go out, they take care of business, right? They, yeah. they go out and beat the, I mean, I'll call them the Los Angeles Chargers, <laughs> even though for everybody who was at the game, who watched the game, it sounded like a home game for the Dallas Cowboys. Without a doubt. But but Without but just doubt. your first impressions of the Dallas Cowboy win. What did you see from them this week that you didn't see? And maybe that first game against the Buccaneers. Well, I, I, I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball. And look, I got to give, you know, a couple thumbs up to Kellen Moore out there, the offensive coordinator. Here's a guy who, you know, was ridiculed all last year. You know, he's not ready for this role and he's not getting the most out of our offense and this, that, and the third. And if you look at these first two games, I mean, he's doing exactly what offensive coordinators need to do. They, he attacks the weaknesses of his opposing team. So we went out there against Tampa Bay. And look, people were clamoring. We need to give Zeke the ball. We need a more balanced offense. But when you look at that Tampa Bay front, I mean, they're monstrous. You got Sue, Vita Vea, you know, JPP and those boys. So it was going to be hard to run the ball. So what did we do? We went out there and passed the ball for 58 times. Dak had one of his best games throwing the ball over 400 yards. And we came within that close to beating the Super Bowl champs. And then you fast forward it to to this past week against the uh, L.A. Chargers. And, you know, they, they specify in a 3-3-5 or a 3-4 defense. And that just means that those running lanes are going to be open. So what did he do? He did his adaptability, went out there, and we ran the ball heavy, gave the ball to Tony Pollard. And Zeke Elliott had almost 200 yards rushing out there. And we were more balanced, but he did what we had to do to get the job done. So I'm loving what I'm seeing out of this offense because it's going to be hard for, for teams to game plan for this when they know we have the ability to go over 400 yards passing. They know we have the ability – to rush the ball well with Zeke and Pollard there. Our offensive line is getting stronger and stronger as the weeks progress. So it's going to be hard to game plan for them. And then if you look on the defensive side of the ball, yeah. look, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's night and day for me because last year we had Mike Nolan out there and we all know <laughs> how that, that experiment failed miserably. I mean, we were one of the worst, historically one of the worst defenses out there. And then, then you fast forward to this year, we gave a couple, couple yards to Tom Brady. I mean, they got an explosive offense out right. there, but, we kept the game close because we were able to take the ball away. And that's something that the Dallas Cowboys have not been able to do in a very long time. We got four takeaways that game. And then you look at this past game, yeah, the Chargers were able to move the ball in between the 20s as well. But once you got in that red zone, those boys uh, kind of developed that bend but don't break defense with Dan Quinn. They gave a couple yards up, but they were able to take the ball away in the red zone or force the Chargers to kick field goals. And with that formula, you can win out there. So, so far, one and one, I'm impressed with what I've seen so far from this coaching staff and the Dallas Cowboys. Well, you mentioned that name, Dan Quinn, the new defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Uh, look, the Dallas Cowboys, they, they didn't give up over 100 yards rushing last week. They held yeah. that Chargers rushing attack under. And you mentioned they picked off Justin Herbert a couple of times, uh, Diggs, and also uh, my guy from San Diego State, Damani KZ. Representing. Yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, other than just the performance we saw last week, but you think about it, you know, Cowboys down a, a couple of defensive ends, right? You, you're down DeMarcus mm-hmm. Lawrence, you're down Randy Gregory, you're down a couple of guys due to injury, but yet they went out there and had that solid type of performance. What has Dan Quinn brought to this defense? Something that, you know, I say we didn't have since maybe 2014 when they had Marinelli in there. And that's the belief that your defensive coordinator is going to put you in the right position to mm-hmm. succeed. You know, last right. year, 
They had a lot of guys standing up, not in the right position. Nobody really believed in what Mike Nolan was preaching. Here with Dan Quinn, granted, I'll give it, he had a whole offseason to pretty much instill his defense, but he's got these guys flying around. You know, last year there was a lot of hesitation, not knowing what we're going to do out there, and it showed on the field because these guys were playing slow. Now this year, these guys, I mean, if you look at it, there's no one-on-one tackles out there. These guys are gang tackling. They're flying to the ball. They're playing like their hair is on fire. And I'll tell you what the most impressive thing about this defense to me is, it's a young guy by the name of Micah Parsons, who I thought, I'm like, man, we blew it. We should have got a corner. What are we doing here? And then this guy shows up, and he's making an impact at linebacker. Last week, he made an impact at defensive end with the absence of law. And um and Randy Gregory. So it's like, man, this dude, he's doing something that I haven't seen in a very long time from a rookie just to make that immediate impact on the ground or on the field that he has out there for those guys. So it's a combination, in my opinion, of Dan Quinn and his coaching ability and this new influx of talent and youth and athleticism that he put on this defense. And right now it's uh, proving dividends for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, we're joined now by uh... – former Cowboy Safety Barry Church on the Total Coverage podcast with Kirk Morrison. I, w- I want to go right back to what you talked about, what you just said. Micah Parsons. He was mm-hmm. picked in the first round, and a lot of people said, well, do the Cowboys need linebackers? They've got yeah. Leighton Vanderish. They've got Jalen Smith. But Micah Parsons, like you mentioned, he brings a different element, man. That dude is different. What else did you see from him? Because I watched him, and I'm saying – he actually looks like a defensive end. Week one, he looks like a linebacker. I'm like, is this dude a mutant? <laughs> like, I mean, what's you, going on? You, you're right about that. I mean, he's like a freak of nature. I mean, you right. look at, like, the old guys back in the day, Javon Kirst, they called him the freak. I mean, this yes. guy, is, he's similar <laughs> in that fashion to where I feel like you can plug and play him anywhere, and he'll get the job done. I mean, if you just look at the tape and just watch the tape, he pops off. You feel his speed coming off that tape when he's tracking boys down. He's sideline to sideline, and he has such a great playmaking ability, whether he's at linebacker, guarding running backs, or attacking the run, or or, or uh, covered in the pass, or if he's at defensive end. And I thought for sure, I'm like, oh, this guy's too small. What are they thinking right. putting him at the end? What is he going to do out there? But all he did was go out there and have eight pressures, a quarterback sack, couple tackles i mean this guy is a proven playmaker wherever you put him on the defensive side of the ball so you know i'm starting to consider him not you know kind of positionless he's just a defensive weapon out there and you just got to apply him to where you want to attack that offense and so far dan quinn's had dan quinn has done an amazing job about putting parsons in, in places to succeed look barry you're in the media now we both are and we know yeah. we, they're, they're, we, we have to talk about certain things and one of those things we're going to talk about is the running back position And people are saying now, hey, has Tony Pollard eclipsed Ezekiel Elliott? Is he now the new number one back? So Mm -hmm. when you look at what Pollard was able to do last week, over 100 yards rushing, he had the one uh, one rushing touchdown. He just looks to be a little more explosive than Zeke right now. But when you have both those guys in the backfield, how do you see this Cowboys situation at running back playing out? Has Tony Pollard basically taken a step above Ezekiel Elliott? Right now, um, you know, look, I'm going to still ride with Zeke. I'm going to still say Zeke got to be that guy. We need to feed him a little bit more. But after watching that game last week against the Chargers, your eyes don't lie to you. I mean, the guy (laughs) looked like he had juice coming out of the backfield. And, yeah, Zeke, he made a couple good runs there. But it just seemed like he was laboring. Like, ah, I'm just going to, you know, three clouds and three yards in a cloud of dust. Whereas Tony Pollard, they're drawing up reverses for him. They're giving him the ball, and he's just hitting the hole with another level of explosiveness. Now, I like to see, you know, 
if say let's just say something happened to where Pollard had to be number one and defenses started scheming towards Pollard, I wonder if he would still be as successful mm-hmm. as he has been when when he spots in for Zeke in there here and there. I want to see that, but right now, I mean, you, you hit the head, you hit the nail right on the head. Pollard is playing at a much faster pace than Zeke is right now, and they're drawing up plays for him. Before he was just a gadget guy. Now he's starting to split the reps with Zeke, and we're starting to see that juice pile on. But like I said, I'm going to give Zeke the benefit of the doubt, saying that defenses are scheming for him and kind of just taking a deep breath and saying, ah, all right, Pollard's in the game. But now that he's, we see that he's starting to be able to have that juice in the running game, I want to know what defensive coordinators are going to do as far as scheming him, if he'll still have the success. Yeah, Barry, that's a great point. I think, yeah, right now, Tony Pollard's already been the change of pace back. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily gear up the different calls for when he's in the game versus when Zeke's in the game. I think now he's putting some defenses on notice, so we'll see what happens, I think, in the future. But I think, look, I got a couple more questions before we let you go here, Barry. The one, one thing is that this offseason, uh, the the final, uh, I, I guess the, uh, what should I say, the offseason drama, if, if you mm-hmm. want to call it, was the contract of Dak Prescott. When will yeah. he get paid? Look, he's finally gotten paid, and through the first two weeks, He's been everything as advertised. You think about what he did last week in that Cowboys win, 23 of 27, 237. He had the one interception. He didn't throw a a touchdown. But what have you seen from Dak this year, especially coming off the injury? He's got the big contract. What has he shown you this year? He has the full command of this offense. And he's, he's, he's already been the bona fide leader. I mean, these guys, you saw last year when he missed, how we started getting reports about all oh, these coaches don't know this and coaches and players <laughs> battling back and forth. And right. you don't get that when you have your leader in the locker room. So he's the bona fide leader of this group. And I feel like when he goes out there as an, um, as the quarterback, he has that full command of the offense, him and Kellen Moore. They're like this now. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, a, he's basically an extension of the coaching staff on the field. And if you go out there and look, even though his numbers weren't great last, uh, last week against the chargers, he was very efficient. He had the one turnover, but other than that, he was able to drive the ball up and down the field on this Chargers team and put the Cowboys in great positions to be productive. So that's my whole thing. As long as he's taking care of the football, he's marching these boys up and down the field proficient and giving that defense time to rest, because I still believe that the offense is the driving vote of this team. So as long as he's giving that defense time to rest over there so they can come out fresh and ready to go, I have no problem with it, but I feel as though Dak is he's lived up to the advertisement. He's lived up to his contract. You know, he had that shoulder injury in the in the in camp and everybody was saying, oh, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to be ready. Is he ever going to be 100 percent again? Right. I think he put all those rumors to rest. He came out there, threw the ball 58 times against Tampa Bay, didn't throw it that much against the Chargers, but he was proficient out there and he got the job done. And at the end of the day, me and you both know the only thing that ha- the only thing that matters is W's and L's. And they were able to take the <laughs> W last week. Yeah, that's right. The Cowboys one and one. Last question before I let you go, Barry. Um, Monday night football. The Cowboys next matchup, Monday night football. Look, they open up the first two games on the road. Mm -hmm. They get to go home and host the Philadelphia Eagles. You played in a bunch of those games, man. Just tell me about this Cowboys-Eagles rivalry, especially being played on Monday night, man. Just tell me about that atmosphere and what to expect with Cowboys-Eagles on Monday night. Uh, by far, to me, this is the biggest rivalry in the NFC East. I mean, it used to be, you know, Cowboys and Washington, but 
with Philly, you know, starting to come back as far as a good team, I think this is the, the two-headed battle for that division right now. And this is the first contest between those guys. And it's going to be a lot harder, you know, than I predicted earlier in the season. I think, you know, this is going to be a tough game to come down to the wire because Philly, their defense, even though they took a big hit with Brandon Graham being out, their defenses right. seem to be flying around out there. They seem to be able, as one out there, there's not a lot of coverage busts. And then if you look on the offensive side of the ball, Jalen Hurts is starting to come into his own. I mean, he's out there. He's He reminds me kind of like a, a, a Russell Wilson a little bit where he can scramble, right. he's athletic, but he's always looking to extend the play and give his receivers options down the field. And that's a very dangerous weapon, especially when you have the secondary that we have. Outside of, outside of Diggs, we kind of struggled in the secondary. So to me, this is going to be a huge contest um, to, for the outright lead in the NFC East. We've got to be able to keep this guy, Jalen Hurts, contained. I mean, our defensive ends cannot get hooked at any situation or it's going to be lights out for these Cowboys. So to me, it's going to be a great game. I still have the Cowboys winning, but it's going to be one of those NFC dirty, you know, just rumble in the jungle type games. And uh, we'll see who comes out on top. Absolutely, man. One of those games of the week. And I cannot wait to watch it, especially because it's going to be on Monday night. Don't forget, you can find Barry Church on the pregame and postgame coverage of all the Dallas Cowboys games. And don't forget, man, that Players Lounge podcast, you can find that on DallasCowboys.com. He is a busy man, former (laughs) NFL safety, but now a media guy doing a great job at it. Man, Barry Church, appreciate it for joining the uh, Total Coverage podcast today. Man, thanks for having me on the show, man. Call me back when you need me again. I'll be here. Hey, absolutely. (laughs) Will do. More Total Coverage coming up next. Hi, everyone. This is Heisman Trophy winner and NFL quarterback Doug Flutie. I'm excited to tell you that my podcast, the Flutie Flakes cast, is back for the entire football season. I may have played like 21 years of professional football in three different leagues, but I'm still just a big kid and I absolutely love this game. Every week, we'll talk about the topics I care about and bring on super fun guests. So please subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app. Include it with most subscriptions. Celebrate Live is Alive. Sirius XM is giving current subscribers the chance to win two tickets to 12 of the biggest events on the 2022 sports calendar, plus cash for travel costs and expenses. One winner and a guest will get the chance to travel the country and experience 12 marquee events, including Super Bowl 56, the NBA Finals, and the World Series, courtesy of Sirius XM. For official rules and to enter, go to SiriusXM.com slash Ultimate Sports Fan. No purchase necessary. Open to current SiriusXM subscribers as of July 21st, 2020. Ends October 15th, 2021. Void where prohibited. Man, thanks again to Barry Church. Dallas Cowboys, former Dallas Cowboys safety, I should say. But man, let's get to what's going on in week number two, man. There's been some outstanding performances. There's been some surprises. I think maybe, I don't know if it's a really a big surprise in terms of what we thought this team was going to be, but I think it was more question marks. I don't know, I don't like surprises. I think it's question marks. One of the big question marks was behind the Carolina Panthers and their new quarterback, Sam Darnold. But at 2-0, I will tell you this, Sam Darnold is doing an outstanding job. This football team, and look, I know that when you look at what they've got going on right now, they're not one of the teams that people are like, oh, you know, what about uh, what about them? What about, what about the Panthers? No, we're not talking about the Panthers right away. 
But the one thing I can say is that this is a team that is playing some outstanding football. You look at right now what Sam Darnold has been able to do through his first two games. He's got three touchdowns, one interception, but his completion completion percentage, 68.5%. That means he's not only being very accurate with the football, but he's taking care of the football. I mean, he's not putting himself in harm way, in harm's way. Look, I'm saying I know that the two wins were versus the Jets, okay? And then the second one was versus the Saints. I know the first win versus the Jets. People are like, oh, well, it was just the Jets. I don't care. They won the football game, but they kind of won it convincingly. They have a culture in in Carolina right now, and it's being built by their their head coach, Matt Rule. They understand how they're going to win football games. It's taking care of it. And they got an outstanding running back in Christian McCaffrey that's doing things in the backfield and not in the backfield. And Christian McCaffrey has his chemistry already with Sam Darnold. That's why that's what I've seen in the first couple of weeks. That's what I've seen in how this team is being able to get things done offensively because they're not throwing a bunch of touchdowns. Okay. They're not, you know, scoring a ton, but what they are doing is spreading the football around and getting others involved. And look, Darnold, he's benefited from that Christian McCaffrey being on the field. Because a lot of defenses, when you go in and play the Carolina Panthers, what's the first thing? What's the first thing you want to take away? If I'm a D coordinator, I'm going into my meeting room and I'm telling all of my guys, hey, look, we got the Carolina Panthers this week. Christian McCaffrey doesn't catch a ball. Right, I know, easier said than done, right? But that's what the mindset has to be for a defense. And so that means added attention to Christian McCaffrey. And even with the added attention to Christian McCaffrey, look, I think this is where teams have gotten in trouble because you're so keyed in on Christian McCaffrey and then what happens? They're finding other guys. They're finding other opportunities around. They're finding, I think, teams. I mean, they're, they're finding open guys. They're finding Christian McCaffrey outside of just what he's doing in the backfield. It, to me, it's out of the backfield. Right. It's the receptions. Those are the types of things that I'm starting to see with this offense that I didn't see before. And that's going to be huge as you start to look at down the road. Everybody's starting to make plays more at wide receiver. You're seeing Anderson, everyone. I'm starting to say more and more names. And that's what Sam Donald has been able to do early on. He's getting more guys involved. And that's how I think offensively this team realizes that that's how their bread is going to be buttered. They're also, right now to me, people said this offensive line hasn't been great. But I thought that they invested into this offensive line. Sam Darnold has only been sacked three times this year. And to me, I think more so one was like a coverage sack that I saw. But for the most part, he's standing upright and he'll get better within this offense, right? Think about his offensive uh, his offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Yeah, remember Joe Brady, uh, former offensive coordinator at LSU a couple seasons ago with Joe Burrow. He's kind of bringing some of the same concepts that we saw with Burrow at LSU and also last year with Teddy Bridgewater, but yet Teddy Bridgewater just didn't take as many chances as you probably have wanted to. Sam Darnold is not afraid to throw the football. He's not afraid to throw it deep. And he's got guys that can go out there and make plays. I like this little two-headed monster as well at running back. Now, he's going to have to get more carries, but... Outside of Christian McCaffrey, I want to see Chuba Hubbard, the, the draft pick of a year ago, I want to see him get more carries. Because as we know, I don't know how long Christian McCaffrey is going to take this kind of workload. I mean, it's early in the season. He's already got, in two games, 60 touches. I mean, he's touching the ball 30 times a game. Can running backs last 
touching the ball that many times. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I want Christian McCaffrey to be healthy toward the end of the season, not necessarily at the beginning of the season, right? Getting all those touches. Let's make sure he's able to get those at the end. But you're looking at more, you're looking at, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Terrace Marshall as well, Dan Arnold at tight end, Robbie Anderson. Look, I'm naming all the guys who are actually catching passes where this team is going. Outstanding job by, by, uh, by uh, Sam Darnold. And the one thing that I haven't even mentioned yet is the defense out here balling. And why is he balling? Because his Panthers defense has 10 sacks and three interceptions in two weeks. Look, I don't care that they played against Jameis Winston and Zach Wilson. 10 sacks and three picks, that's called balling, right? That's called balling. And that's what they're able to do. They're shutting the opponents down. Really, when you think about it in the first half, that's how they've really been, been making their hay. Right, forcing teams in some early mistakes and then holding on down the stretch, making those halftime adjustments. And then you think about this in the first half this season, first half this season, the Carolina Panthers are outscoring their opponents 33 to zero. They have not given up a first half point yet, this defense. That's what balling is all about. And how are they doing it? It's mixing up coverages. They're doing a lot to me in, in the back end with the safeties, corners, and then they're getting pressure up front. That's the key part. They, you know, they've been looking for a pass rush for a long time. And now the combination of Hassan Reddick, Brian Burns, like you've got now two guys that are bringing the pressure that they've been desperately needing for a long, long time. Uh, Shaq Thompson, this truly is his linebacking core now. This is a formidable defense. And guess what? It's a young defense they have in Carolina. Okay. And the more and more, the more reps that they get, the more, the better they are going to be. They're a 2-0 team. And I'm surprised at that, but I'm not surprised at how quickly these young guys are getting it, man. And a lot of, I think a lot of it, the attention goes to Matt Rule. Matt Rule's doing a terrific job coaching these guys up. And that's why Sam Darnold and the, and the Carolina Panthers are 2-0. and They got a big test, right? Thursday night, we get a chance to now watch it in, up close in person. Thursday night football, Texans versus Panthers. We'll see it up close in person why this Panthers team, A, is pretty good, or see what they do against Davis Mills, the starting rookie quarterback who's been uh, who's named the starter this week for the Houston Texans. So we'll see a lot of that on Thursday night. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. I mean, come on. Like, we, we, we want to throw him out of the league because we can't keep finding things to talk about with him. He's not supposed to be able to do what he's doing. It's just you can't do that. But he's doing it, and he's doing it well. Yeah, a little LL Cool J reference right there on the song. But still, look, Tom Brady and the, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took on the Atlanta Falcons. Now, look, I get it. The Atlanta Falcons are not a good football team. I get it. And I know people are going to be like, you can't really gauge how good this this uh, the, all the all the records or the points that were scored that Tampa Bay had because the Atlanta Falcons are such a bad team. That is not the case. I'm going to tell you like this. What Tom Brady is doing, I'm just sitting back marveling. We won't have this soon. A couple weeks. We may not have this. All right? But I'm going to sit back, and I'm just going to enjoy watching Tom Brady. And last week, he was 24 of 36, 276 yards, and five touchdowns. Nine touchdown passes through his first two games. That's a career high. All right? That's a personal high for Tom Brady. Think of it. He's been in this league 20 years. <laughs> oh, man. And yet, he has never done that before. 
So come on, man. That that's what he's doing. He's trying to set records. I think that's what's left for Tom Brady. Because the Bucks offense has scored 30 points or more in nine straight games. That's right, dating back to last season. So not only are they picking up where they left off a year ago, could this offense be better that won a Super Bowl? Oh, not to mention Rob Gronkowski. That's right. Four touchdowns. Remember when Gronk was 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 uh, last season? We all said, man, Gronk ain't the same. Or, man, Gronk is over the hill. Well, one full offseason, and he now looks to be like the Rob Gronkowski of old, adding to his Hall of Fame career already. So, look, four touchdowns for Gronk early on in this season. We've seen Antonio Brown catch touchdowns, Mike Evans catch touchdowns. I think right now the only thing that I see that's um, sort of a negative about this offense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is what? It has to be the running game. The running game is just not there right now. And I know they've got a you know, little thing going on in terms of Ronald Jones and also Leonard Fournette. You know, Jones had put the ball on the ground in week one. So he was a little bit nervous when he get the opportunity. They're going to continue to go back and forth. It's going to be a two-headed monster. But I think because the weather is the way that it is, and I'm not just saying it because it's Tampa, but the weather we know early in the football season in the year, in September and October, teams are able to throw the ball around a lot easier than they do in November, December. Sometimes I feel like the running game gets neglected. But you're going to have to run the football later on because we saw that's what they did in the Super Bowl. We saw they did in the playoffs. The, the, the Buccaneers realized that. We're only in week two. These offenses are still like, I said, like, like a pile of clay. You're still molding offense. You're still molding what your, your, uh, not, you're still molding what your identity, I should say, is going to be for 2021. So you got to be able to see that and know who you are. But right now, the identity of the Tampa Buccaneers is Tom Brady. And he's finding guys. And think about it. Last year, it was, okay, we got to stop this guy. We got to stop that guy. But now, tell me, who do you stop now? You want to take away Gronk? Oh, well, there's Mike Evans one-on-one. Oh, you want to take away Mike Evans and Gronk? Well, there goes Chris Godwin. Oh, is that Antonio Brown on the third corner for your defense? Yeah, that's the matchup that I want. And then eventually they're going to continue to run the football. I didn't want to break down the defense of what they've got going on in Tampa Bay because the defense returns everybody. Actually, they return more starters than they do anything because they return all 11 who started in the Super Bowl. And then Vita Vea, who didn't start in the Super Bowl, is now coming back. I mean, who's back from injury from last season, who played in the Super Bowl, and now being a menace, a disruptor up front. You can't run the football. So, look, this five-touchdown performance that I saw from Tom Brady, it not only was it a team effort and what they did defensively, but just watching how he spreads the football around, watching how everybody is getting involved. How do you stop it? Like, seriously, how do you stop what's going on in Tampa? They've got a big test ahead of them, and I can't wait. Probably one of the games of the week. Probably what we're going to talk about next week here on the Total Coverage Podcast. They travel to Los Angeles and take on the Rams, SoFi Stadium. This will be Brady's first ever NFL game in Los Angeles. That's right. One of his offseason homes. But he's never played in L.A. So see what this looks like. Tom Brady takes on Hollywood. But I think, honestly, it would be a big match for them. Because the Rams actually last year beat Tom Brady and these Buccaneers. 27-24. Tom Brady actually threw a couple of interceptions in this game. Really was frustrated by this Rams defense. 
So I think this is an early test for these Buccaneers to see where they're at. Could they be better than they were last year? I think that they could be much better than they were a year ago. But can anyone slow them down? Hmm. I think the Rams will have the opportunity to next Sunday, prime time. Well, it's Sunday, the late afternoon window. It's going to be one of the games that I definitely I'm circling. We'll break it down for you all next week on the Total Coverage Podcast. But again, what more can we say about Tom Brady? Maybe we can add more to it after the matchup against the Rams. Now, I mentioned earlier, <laughs> I, I kind of laugh, right? I laugh at you think about something after the game and you, sh- you, you, you figure it out like, I should have thought about that before the game. And it's, it's always funny because you're thinking about so much in terms of how this team plays. It's the New England Patriots and they're going up against the New York Jets. And obviously, look, this isn't the same New York Jets team that we've seen um, you know, at different stages in the Belichick era. This is a New York Jets team that has a new quarterback, that has new head coach, a lot of new faces, all that. But when it comes to the Patriots, they have one of the same faces at head coach, Bill Belichick. And I, I fail to remember, fail to forget all of this that rookie quarterbacks versus Bill Belichick. How do I forget that? How? How do I forget that? I don't know. Because Bill Belichick, what he does to these quarterbacks, I don't. It's, it baffles me. It really does. I go back to a couple of years ago. You know, we mentioned him a little bit earlier in the the Total Coverage podcast today about Sam Darnold. And I remember that time that the Jets, when he was a Jet, played against the Patriots. And I remember he went to the sideline and says, I'm seeing ghosts. And everybody in the media, fans, we all said, what is he talking about? Like, what are you saying? I knew what he was talking about. Basically, he was seeing things that were not there because of the Belichick defense and the Patriots what they were able to do, what their plan was. And that plan came to fruition again on Sunday. Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense versus young Zach Wilson. And boy, it got ugly quickly and in a hurry. Zach Wilson was 19 of 33, 210 yards, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, four sacks. And I don't even say it was that close. That 210 is a number that honestly, that's just padding of the stats because it did not look well for Zach Wilson. He made some throws at number, there's three things that I saw in his throws. One, he was unsure. He was unsure on where his receiver was going to be. Number two, great coverage in bracketing certain receivers, funneling receivers to an area. Sometimes, you know, quarterbacks, they see a guy, and he's open, but the way that the defense is funneling players, and when I say funneling, when they're putting players or running them to a zone to make you bait you to throw another play, which is what Zach Wilson did. Got baited into throwing in some some areas and some tight windows where receivers were trying to make some difficult catches, and they couldn't. And then the third thing when it comes to, obviously, the rookie uh, quarterback situation where you're trying to frustrate him a little bit you want to show as much disguise as possible 
you want to lean some places you want to show him and give him a, an illusion before the snap and even at the snap make him see something and then change it at the last second get his eyes in a different place and that's what i saw i saw that in zach wilson bill belichick becomes 20 is not his record now against rookie quarterbacks 22 and 6 since he's been a head coach in new england right 22 and 6 and Zach Wilson is the latest victim as he threw interceptions in each of the first two pass attempts of the game, right? Like, think about it. I go back to pass. First time I throw, intercepted. All right, I'm going to shake it off. I go back, throw it again, intercepted. That's, that's what the Patriots defense was all about. That's what they were doing. Now, look, the, the Patriots defense um, is now, I think, you know, they're still missing a couple pieces like Stephon Gilmore, you know, those types of guys. But they realize that they're a better team than the Jets. Now they've won 11 straight games now against this Jets team overall, right? But that's unreal, right? It's unreal how this team could be so much better than the Jets. But you realize it's because they've got the continuity. They've got the continuity of playing in a system for a very long time. And they understand where to be at and what to do. That helped them out in their, in, in their coverage. That helped them out in disguising coverage versus a Zach Wilson, who just seemed to never really be comfortable playing um, quarterback this weekend, that, this past weekend. That was, he looked frustrated. Very few times do you see a young quarterback frustrated. Will he get better from this? I think so. I definitely do. Because any competitor will say, I got to get better. That just can't, I can't go out like that. So we'll see what that puts young Zach Wilson in. Uh, and as far as his mindset, but if you flip over to the other side, you know, we talk about Zach Wilson and his performance, but what about the performance of the New England Patriots rookie quarterback, Mac Jones? He got his first professional win as a starter, right? He lost week one against the, the Dolphins, but week two, he was 22 of 30, 186. And look, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He's not being asked to go out there and be a gunslinger. He's being asked to run the offense, hand the ball off. Right. Keep the offense moving. Get him in and out of the huddle. Have some poise. Be calm. That's what he's being asked to do. He's not a captain on this team. You can't anoint Mac Jones as a captain. But what you can anoint him is to do your best at your job. His job is to play quarterback for the New England Patriots. And he continues to do that. In two weeks, he's shown me that he that the moment is not too big for him. But he's also showing me that he can make the throws when needed. Now, they haven't taken the chances deep down the field, but I think that they will. They may have to going up against this Patriots. I mean, going up against this New Orleans Saints defense on Sunday night football, right? Or oh, sorry, on Sunday. That's what their next opponent is. The Patriots play the Saints. And we saw the Saints scoring a ton of points in week one. Will they be able to score the same amount in week number three? Because they did get embarrassed by the team that we talked about a little bit earlier, the Carolina Panthers. So we'll see what this Patriots defense has for the Saints. But if it becomes a shootout, can Mac Jones win a shootout? Think about it. Can he win a shootout? That'd be one of my uh, one of my questions I'll be uh, looking at throughout the week. But people always ask, you know, kind of going back to the original thought pro thought process here of why is Belichick so effective versus rookies? I think I said it a little bit earlier. It's because the varying of coverages making you see one thing, but yet it's really something different. Um, that that comes with experience because a lot of teams sometimes have new coordinators or they have new guys in new spots. And you can't always try to put in more. 
I think with the Patriots, they're able to put in more because they have such a veteran group of guys that are playing together where you can add more defense, change up your looks. And that's what confused, I thought, Zach Wilson. He couldn't handle that. And so that's one thing that they're going to continue to do is play stout defense. All right, these Patriots are. And they're not asking Mac Jones to go out there and win them games. They want to play great on special teams, great on defense, and run the football. And running the football is kind of what got Tom Brady started. When Tom Brady was first, you know, anointed the quarterback in New England, he wasn't like he was throwing 300-yard games every week. No, he started off similar to what Mac Jones is doing. This is what he was asked to do in this offense. Now, look, he put together some drives early in his career, Super Bowl appearances, that you knew he was going to be different. But even still, they were reluctant to take his hand off the reins and continue to uh, allow him to grow within this offense. And they did that. They truly did that. So, look, it's always going to be something to watch how you treat quarterbacks. Uh, if you're a coach, if he's on your team, or if you're going against. So I'm always keeping my eye on these rookie quarterbacks. Mac Jones, he's one of them. Zach Wilson, he's going to have to get better uh, in that situation. As we wrap up this total coverage podcast, man, look, there are seven teams right now currently that are 2-0. and There are seven teams currently that are 0-2. And just my thoughts briefly on that before we get out of here. We mentioned the Jets. Are they a good team at 0-2? You know, I think that they're a team that has a lot of work ahead of them. And 0-2 is about where we had picked them at. Indianapolis Colts, a little surprised at 0-2. But then I think about who they played. Played Seattle, they played the Rams. I would expect them to be maybe 1-1, but to 0-2 and now see that their quarterback is hurt, Carson Wentz? I don't know, man. It's going to be tough sledding for them. Jacksonville, 0-2, no surprise there. Tough sledding for Urban Meyer early on. I expected them to be 0-2, and I just don't know where the wins are going to come from for the Jacksonville Jaguars. A big surprise for me is the New York Giants, man. That's two games in a row. You think about who they've lost to, the Washington football team and also the Denver Broncos, man. Especially, they lost to the Broncos playing at home. Really surprised with these Giants. I expected more. I really did. But a lot of it is just, they're just the mishaps right now. And it's... You know, drops in the in I mean, receivers dropping footballs, jumping off sides at the end of the game. That stuff gets you beat. And that's where they're at 0 2 for a reason. There's two teams in the uh, NFC North that are 0 2 Minnesota. And they've lost by a field goal two weeks in a row. Can you believe that? Two field goals in a row. They're a good team that's 0 2. See how they can climb out of this hole at 0 2. But they're still one of those teams I think that'll be hanging around toward the end. Detroit. I'll give you your props, Detroit. You're playing some good football. You look better than you looked in the past as a team. I see the vision. Just got to fix some things. But Dan Campbell has that team playing pretty well. They're, they're, they're playing much better. And I think that's what people are excited about because you can see that this team is going to continue to get better. We already talked about Carolina. I'm sorry. <laughs> we talked about Carolina earlier. But look, they, do you look at their division? 0-2 is at the bottom. That's Atlanta. I had Carolina at the bottom, but yet it's Atlanta who's at the bottom. They're 0-2. And, and this offense, week one, didn't score a touchdown. It's two field goals. And then they go up against the Buccaneers. We just talked about their offense. And what? It's the reason why the Buccaneers are good. Because Atlanta played against Atlanta. And Atlanta is just, I expected more from them. 0-2, did not see that coming. Those are the 0-2s. The 2-0s, I guess I'm maybe a little bit biased because I cover the NFC West a lot. 
Not surprised at all. Rams 2-0. Arizona 2-0. Uh, San Francisco 2-0. Uh, the hardest division in football. The toughest division in football. Right? And you could say Seattle could have been, right? They went to overtime with Tennessee. They were that much closer to this NFC West being 8-0 and in the first two weeks of the season. They'll settle for 7-1. and but look, that's going to be the division I'm watching all year long. Not surprised at all. Uh, Tampa and Carolina, we've mentioned those two already this episode. I'm still believers in those two squads uh, that they are going to be, uh, to me, I honestly believe that Tampa is going to be knocking on the door of another Super Bowl appearance. And Carolina, could they be knocking on the door of a playoff appearance? When you get to the AFC, look. Las Vegas Raiders, man, we're going to get on some Raiders talk next week. We got to dig deep into the Raiders. They play against the Miami Dolphins, but they're two and oh, right? Two and oh, two outstanding victories over Baltimore, over Pittsburgh. We'll see what they can do. Can they make it three and oh versus Miami this week? Denver, we got to talk Teddy Bridgewater next week, man. Two and oh, can they win another game and get going? There are some teams that we're going to have to break down some of these performances because they're one of my surprise teams at 2-0. I didn't know the Denver Broncos had it like that, but with the defense that they've got, they've been outstanding. So look, everybody, man, that's 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 week two of the Total Coverage Podcast, man. So much more that we still have to get to throughout this season. I'm telling you, I'm nailing down some of the great performances. I'm nailing down some of these great decisions that were made. And actually, you know what? Before we get out of here, I do want to go on that decision. Because that's kind of been the decision of the week. Fourth quarter, under two minutes to go. Fourth and one. Baltimore Ravens got the football. Do they go for it? Do they not against the Kansas City Chiefs? I tell people all the time. In the NFL, you don't hold on to win. You go take victories. You go take it. Baltimore Ravens, they went and took a victory. They took one from the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't allow their punting unit to come out, punt the football, and gave Patrick Mahomes time to go down and score, kick a field goal, and win. They said, you know what? Let's go take a victory. And John Harbaugh signals over to Lamar Jackson, do you want to go for it? Lamar Jackson says, hell yeah. And we saw the end result. Just power play, big football. They bring in the extra linemen. They run to the left and put the ball in their best player's hands, Lamar Jackson, and he gets a first down. That's how you win. Those are the decisions that make you say that's big boy football. And we'll get more of those as the season goes along. And I can't wait to talk about some of those decisions with you through, throughout the season as well. Man, so, so glad to be with you again, as always. This has been the uh, Total Coverage Podcast Week 2 edition. Whew, I'm excited. I'm still tongue-tied. There's so much we had to get to here. But look, remember, you can always find this podcast on Apple, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Just make sure, click the tab, type in Total Coverage, and you'll see me. That's right, the Total Coverage Podcast. Once again, everybody, thank you for listening. Can't wait to hear from you this week, your tweets, your messages, all of that as we get ready to prepare for the week three edition of the Total Coverage Podcast. I appreciate everybody. Talk to you next week. Good football, y'all. Total Coverage is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Mike Kinahan. The associate producers are Chris Tyler and Denny Gallagher. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for Sirius XM. And special thanks to Sirius XM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen.
Sirius XM Podcasts.